Oh, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning and this cold, wintry morning. And so we're so grateful to have you with us. And hey, why don't you look at the person next to you and say, I'm so glad that you're here today. Just go ahead and let the person next to you know. Let the person behind you know. Tell the person you rode with today, I'm really glad we rode to church together today. Yeah. <laughs> so man, it is so good to be with you in Warehouse Church. Isn't it good to know that God never lets you down? Isn't that awesome? Like, that's such a good promise that we get to hold in and keep it to our hearts and our hearts and, and to remind ourselves when life gets hard, when life gets sideways, that he never lets us down. He's always with us. And so uh, it's so good to have all of you that are with us online as well. We're so grateful that you're worshiping with us, and we want to say welcome to you. If you're a guest with us this morning, we want to say, especially say welcome to you. Thanks for being at Warehouse Church today. Make sure that you stop by the welcome desk on your way out and fill out one of those connect cards. Um, we would love for you to do that. Now, last week, we ended our sermon series called Unleashed by talking about the importance of biblical community. We talked about how important it is that we as Christians, as believers, that we're together in community with other Christians. And we said these words, and you'll hear me say this so many times. You'll hear me say it over and over and over again. You'll get sick of me saying it, but we're better together. And we need each other, and we need one another, and we need to be in community with one another. And so today, before we jump into our new series, uh, Love Comes to Town, I wanna share with you one more story just one more story of how community can change our lives. So why don't you go ahead and watch this video real quick. When I signed up for small groups, I had only been going to Warehouse Church for a couple months, and I really just wanted to get the opportunity to meet everybody that came to this church that I love so much. And I am so glad that I did because I have met a group of women that have become more like family to me than I ever thought could be possible. We come together every Wednesday and we talk about how God is moving in our life and trials that we're going through or that we've been through. And it's a group of people that you can go to and ask for prayers when you need them. And everybody needs that. And that's something that I really didn't have. And I am just so glad that I have been able to meet people that I can go to and trust when I need prayers. If you are interested in groups and nerves are holding you back, I would say just go for it. You know, you might not be a super talkative person, but somebody in groups might say something to you that you needed to hear, or God might put something on your heart that you didn't expect to share that somebody else needed to hear. And that is what groups is all about, is coming together with people that just want to talk about how great Jesus is and how Jesus is working in everybody's life. And if you've never experienced that in a group, it is a game changer for your Christian journey. It really is. So Shelby said something really important. Yeah, give Shelby a big hand. Good job. She said something really important. She said that warehouse groups are a game changer in your spiritual life. And that nothing else will accelerate your growth in your, in your walk with Jesus than doing it together in a group. And so I just want to encourage you that it's not too late to sign up for warehouse groups, that even if you miss the, the kickoff party on Wednesday night, it's okay that you can still sign up today. You can sign up in one of two ways. There's cards on your seats again. You can take one of those cards and fill it out and drop it at the welcome desk before you leave today. Or you can text the word GROW to 606 268 4886. Just text the word GROW again to 606 
268-4886. And I just want to encourage you that if you haven't, if you're on the edge, if you still haven't decided whether you're going to do groups or not, just go for it. Like Shelby said, just jump in, just do it, because it will change your life, because we're better together. Now today, I'm super excited because we are launching into a new sermon series called Love Comes to Town. And so over the next six weeks, we are going to discover and we're going to study how to love God and how to love each other and how we love our families and how we love our neighbors and how we love our community the Jesus way. So I hope that you'll get excited as I am about this. And, uh, and check this out. On February 13th, so I want you to mark your calendar for the week of February 13th. It's Valentine's Day week. And, uh, and on, the week, on that week, we're going to challenge you to get up out of your seats and to hit the streets and to, uh, to share the love of God in our community by a week that we're calling Love Week. And, uh, and it's going to be epic each day. Uh, we are going to challenge you. We're going to give you opportunities to go out into the community and to love on the people in our community. And so we're going to do things like we are going to write thank you cards for the entire staff of Adams Middle School and Allen Elementary. Uh, our kids ministry is going to make uh, homemade Valentine's cards for the residents of our two nursing homes. Uh, our warehouse groups are going to make cookies for, uh, for some of our schools. We're going to provide meals for our first responders and for our nursing home workers. We're going to do a coin drop at a local laundromat. Uh, we're going to clean up a couple of our parks together, and we're going to do a canned food drive for a couple of our local ministries. And those are just a few things. Those are the things that we're doing as a church. And so next week, you're going to get a card on your chair, and that card is going to outline opportunities for you every day during the week beginning on February 13th, things that you can do with your family, things that you can do with your small group, and things that you can do with the church. And so I hope that you're going to jump in and you're going to get excited as I am about this because this is a great opportunity for us to love on our, fam on our community. And the cool thing is, is you're going to have a chance to do it as a family. So I want you to look for that next week, that card that has all the dates and all the opportunities on it. And I promise you there will be something on there for everyone. It's going to be an amazing week. And, and like I said, I'm so excited about it. Because, and, and also, here's the cool thing. We just, this is the last minute. Uh, we, we decided we threw together a, a Love Week t-shirt. And so it's going to be a cool t-shirt. It's going to have the state of Kentucky on it. And uh, it's going to say Love Week in the middle of it. And then right over Eastern Kentucky is going to be the Warehouse Church logo. And, uh, and, so, and it's going to say on the back, Love Comes to Town. And so when you're out in the community and you're loving on the community, you can do it by wearing your church swag. And people are going to say, what in the world is up with that shirt? And what's this Love Week thing? And you can tell them it's a conversation starter. And so we want everyone to order a t-shirt and you can buy one. And so just let um, Beth Griffith know that if you want one and uh, she'll get you on the list. And so, so be watching out for that and uh, and it's just be a lot of fun. But let's just today, today let's just begin by talking about loving the Jesus way. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to love the Jesus way? And to get us started, I want you to finish this statement. And I think this is a really important statement that we all need to ask ourselves. And here's the statement or the sentence I want you to finish. My number one goal in life is... And I just want you to think about that. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it to yourself. But answer, finish that sentence. My number one goal in life is. And what word or what short phrase would you use 
to complete that sentence. And some of you might say, well, my number one goal in life is to be happy. Or you might say, my number one goal in life is to be successful. Or you might say, my number one goal in life is to retire. Or you might say, you know what, Pastor Rick, my number one goal in life is just to get up in the morning, right? Like, that's my goal. And so, but this is a really important question to think about. My number one goal in life is... And if you haven't given it some thought, you ought to because the answer to this question is what Pastor Rick Warren calls your dominant life principle, or we'll say your DLP, your dominant life principle. And every one of us, whether we know it or not, we all have a dominant life principle. It's the thing that you value most in your life, which drives all of your decisions and all of your choices. And you may not be aware of it, but you do this all the time. We all have a dominant life principle. So every time that you have a choice or every time that you have a decision to make, you run it through this filter and you decide what you're going to do based upon your dominant life principle. For example, I'll give you one, uh, if, if for me, let's just say that my dominant life principle is to have as much fun as I possibly can have. And so I have some decisions to make this weekend of the things I'm going to do. I can wash the dog, give the dog a bath, I can, uh, I can shovel the snow in my driveway, or I can go to the shooting range with my friends. And so if I'm going to choose the one that's loaded with the most fun, because that's my dominant life principle, then you know it's not going to be washing the dog, it's not going to be shoveling snow, but I'm going to go and shoot with my friends. And so if your dominant life principle, let's just say it's making money, if that's your dominant life principle, then you're going to tend to choose the most lucrative thing to do that is going to put the most bank or most dollar signs in your bank account. So if your dominant life principle is making money, then you're gonna, every decision you make is going to be filtered through how much is this going to cost me? Is this going to earn me money? Or am I going to lose money on this? Or if your dominant life principle, let's say it's approval. And for a lot of people, that's what it is. It's approval, the approval of others. And so if that's your dominant life principle, then you're going to do what is the most popular thing to do. And you're going to do the thing that's going to get you the most likes on Facebook, or you're going to do the thing that gets you the most followers on Instagram. So if approval is your dominant life principle, then those things, the decisions you make are going to go through that filter, and you're going to do the things that are going to get the most approval from other people. So it's important. It's important for you and I to answer this question. The most important thing in my life is... Because it affects all of your decisions, and it even affects all of your relationships. And believe it or not, God has a few things to say about our dominant life principle. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says this, and it's really important. He says this. I would like underline this in my Bible. I'll write it down. Do something to remember it. He says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. So according to Paul, what's number one? Love is, right? It's not status. It's not dollars in your bank account. It's not success. It's not possessions. It's not approval. For Paul, Paul would say our dominant life principle should be and always should be love. According to God, our dominant life principle is love. 
The filter in which all decisions are measured should be love. So love should be the supreme goal in your life. Let's just say that together. Love should be the supreme goal in your life. And why would God say that? Well, simple answer is because God is love. And you and I, we are his children, and he is our father. And as, his fa- as our father, he wants us to be like him. I'm not sure that you're aware of it or not, but God created you and everything in this universe out of love. He created us out of love. Everything that God made, he made with one purpose, to love it. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't say that God has love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 16, that God is love. And he desires for you and for me to learn how to love. And so one day, uh, Jesus, you'll remember the story, maybe he was walking down the street and we read this in the gospels and he came upon this lawyer and the lawyer uh, asked him a question as all lawyers do, right, Craig? Craig's in here somewhere, I think. He asks him, always ask a question. And, and the lawyer asked Jesus this question. He says, Lord, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Just tell me, what's the greatest command Of all the commandments, of all the things that are written in God's word, what's the greatest? And Jesus replies, he's like, oh, like, couldn't you ask a more challenging question? I mean, that's like an easy one. And he goes, actually, I'm going to give you two things. And if you get these two things right, you will understand the purpose for your entire life. It's called the great commandment. And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. He responded to the lawyer saying this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Notice what Jesus said. He said that nothing is more important than these two things, to love God and to love everybody else. And imagine he sits there and looks at the lawyer and says, did I miss anyone? Love God and love everybody else. And if you get these two things, which are really one thing, you will understand what God puts you on this planet to do. Because life really is all about loving like Jesus. Loving God and loving everyone else. And everything else is just noise. So Paul tells us, let love be your highest goal. Nothing else matters. Life is all about love. And God is so serious about this that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 4, Paul tells us this, and do everything with what? Love. love. Do everything with love. And look at that word, everything. What does that mean? It means everything. 
That in everything that we do, that we do it with love. That in everything that we do, our motivation behind what we do should be love. So that means that when we go to work in the morning and we're sitting in a cubicle next to a person that maybe we don't like so much, that we are called to love them. That means that every text that we write, that we, our motivation behind that text should be love. That means that when we go to lunch today and we have a waiter or a waitress that is really rude and, and really hard to get along with, that we still choose to love them. That means that uh, we have to be nice to people that don't vote the same way we do. It means that everything that we post on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, that you should do it in love. Because life is all about relationships and relationships are all about sacrificial love in God's economy. Listen, when Christ's love comes into you, when you say yes to Jesus and your life is changed forever, you know why it's changed? It's changed because love comes into you. You see, human love wears out. Human love has an expiration date. Human love has a shelf life. But God's love never ends. It's limitless. It never runs out. It never runs dry. And Jesus keeps filling us up with love and joy and forgiveness and hope and mercy every single day. As we go back to him, as we reconnect with God, he fills up our love tank. You know, this is why I always say that it's so important that we take time every day to connect with God. That we're connecting with him by reading his scripture. We're connecting with him in prayer. We're connecting to him by listening. And the reason we do that is because when we connect with God, he fills us up. He fills up our love tank to overflowing. So not only do we, uh, be, our love tank get, does it get filled with God's love, but it overflows, it spills over into the lives of people that are around us. It spills over into our relationships. And so it's so important for us to spend time reconnecting with God every single day day. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next six weeks. We are going to learn about this supernatural love that Jesus gives us and this supernatural love that not only transforms us, but it spills over into the lives of others and transforms their lives as well. We're going to exercise our love muscles, and, and, and it's going to be a little painful. We're going to work out muscles of our faith that maybe we haven't worked out in a while. And we're going to talk about this ultimate kind of love. And we're going to look at loving our neighbors. We're going to talk about how do we love our neighbors more strategically, or how do we love them better. We're going to talk about how do we speak the truth in love. Because many of us, we can speak the truth, but it's not always done in love. We're going to talk about how to express your anger in a healthy way, in a loving way. And we're going to talk about how to make love last a lifetime. So if you don't learn anything about love over these next six weeks, then you may never learn anything about love. But I'm convinced that you are going to learn something 
about God's love over these next six weeks. And my hope is, is that God will encourage you, that God will challenge you to love better, to love your spouse, to love your kids, to love your parents, to love your neighbors, to love your coworkers, to love your friends, to love your community better, to even love the person in your life that is hard to love a little better. And I truly believe this. I truly believe that a little growth in the area of love, that our meter, our love meter, if it just, if it just goes up just a little bit, that your relationships will be all the better for it. So to get started, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles or you got your Bibles on your phone, whatever you use, um, let, let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the, uh, it's the greatest chapter in the Bible on love. Uh, it's even called, your Bible may call it the love chapter. Uh, it's a chapter uh, or a passage of scripture that we often hear uh, read at weddings. But I want you to know that this love that Paul is about to define in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is not a romantic love. It's God's love. It's the love that we are supposed to share with every person, not just our spouse, uh, but every person that we meet. We are to love them in this way. It's God's definition of what love is. And so as we jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I just want to look today at the first couple verses where Paul's kind of setting us up. He's kind of given us the foundation for what love is. Before he defines it, he wants to share with us exactly what it, why it's so important that we know what love is. And so he begins in chapter 13, verse 1, by saying this. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let me just read that again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy or a clanging cymbal. Now, this is a big deal. This is really important because Paul is trying to get the church to understand that nothing is more important than love, that love is the foundation for everything else. And he's like, you could be the most gifted speaker. He's like, but if you don't love people, you know how God sees you? This is how God sees you, just like that. Your life sounds like that, annoying, right? Obnoxious, loud, disturbing. That if you don't have love, that's what God hears. This is what your life sounds like in God's ears when you don't love. It's like Paul's trying to tell us that nothing you say matters. Nobody can hear you when that's going on. They can't hear a word that you're saying. They don't care about what you're doing because all they can hear is that obnoxious, loud, annoying noise. Paul's saying, listen, if you don't have love, Nothing you say or do matters. It's all just noise. And quite honestly, it's annoying. And so God says a life without love is just empty. It's deafening. It's annoying. It's obnoxious. It's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
Let's keep reading on because he has more to say in verse 2. He says this, And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am what? Nothing. So Paul's like, I get it, church. I get it. You think you're smart, and you've got faith, and you know a lot of stuff, but if you don't love others, if your motivation is not love, you're just another... You're just making noise. You're like the gong show. Anyone remember the gong show? Okay, so a few of us do. Um, Brian Griffith remembers it. He's like old enough to remember it. And, uh, and so the gong show, uh, it, it was basically a talent show that was on TV. And, uh, and so you would come and you would share your talent and they had three judges. And, and if the judges didn't like your talent, that's what they would do. They would hit the gong. And if you got gonged, you were out. It's like you're done. You had to stop right in the middle of whatever your act was and you were done. You got no points. You didn't win. You lost and you were off the show. And that's what God is saying through Paul. And I think what he's trying to tell us is if you speak well and if you're really smart and if you have the gift of faith that can move mountains, and, but you don't love others, God's like, you're going to get gonged, right? You're going to get the gong. You're going to get removed. It doesn't matter. It counts for nothing. And it seems a bit extreme. Like when I first read that, I'm like, man, that's like, that's pretty strong words. Like I could have faith. I could speak well. I can know a lot of stuff. But if I don't have love, none of that matters. I mean, think about it. There's a lot we can do to show that we're spiritual people. I mean, we can even write big checks. Uh, we can become missionaries. We can even become martyrs for our faith. But none of that matters if we don't have love as our motivation. Read on in verse 3, and here's what it says. It says, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, in God's eyes, you can be really generous with your money. You can, you can go on a mission trip. You could even become a missionary. You could be a martyr for your faith. But Paul's like, but listen, if you don't have love as your motivation behind that, love of God and love of people, it's worth nothing. It's not worth a thing. It doesn't matter what we do if we don't do it with love. It's just noise. So I think that we need to slow down. We need to pump the brakes and we need to ask ourselves the question, is loving God and loving others my motivation for the things I do? Is my love for God and my love for people the motivation for why I do? Because Paul said, said let love be your highest goal. Because without it, it is nothing. Nothing you say or nothing you do or nothing you believe or nothing you give or nothing you accomplish matters. It's just all. It's all noise. So do you see why we need to spend some time? We need to spend the next six weeks looking at, talking about, 
How do we make love our main motivation? It's a big deal, and it takes time, and it takes intentionality on your part. And so I want you to imagine with me, imagine the difference it would make if you were more loving, more loving to your spouse, more loving to your parents, more loving to your children, more loving to your family, more loving to one another, more loving to your neighbors, more loving to the people you work with, more loving to the people that live in our community. Imagine the impact that you could make if love was your motivation. You see, in order for us to do that, love needs to be your dominant principle. It has to be the most important thing. And it has to be the most important thing every day of your life. To love God and to love others just as Jesus loved you. You see, church, you must let love be your highest goal. So here's what I need you to do. I want to challenge you over the next six weeks. Three things that I really want you to to, uh, do over the next six weeks. The first one is this. I need you to come every Sunday ready to participate in worship. I need you to come ready Come ready with an open heart to receive whatever it is that God has for you, whether it's in the songs or the prayer or the message or the time of, of, of gathering together before or after, but come ready for worship. That's the number one thing. The second thing I need you to do is I need you to find someone to process these truths with. I need you to find someone to say, hey, will you... Sit down with me one day a week, just for a few minutes, check in with me, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we're learning about love. So like this week, you're just going to talk about your dominant life principle. Talk about what's the most important thing in your life. And if it's not, be honest. If it's not right now loving God and loving people, then say that. You know what? I'm realizing that's not my dominant life principle right now. But what do I need to do to change that? And I want you to don't do this alone. Because this is so important that I want you to find someone. It can be your your spouse. It can be your best friend. It can be someone from your small group. Uh, It can be whoever. But find someone that's walking with you through this that you all can talk about it. Have lunch together. Get on the phone one day a week. Um, Have a a, um, breakfast together. Do something. But make sure that you have someone to process this with. And three, I want you to plan on serving during Love Week. Like, I want you to get your whole family in on this. There'll be stuff for your kids to do with you. It'll be a blast, but it'll also be an opportunity for you to get in the habit of loving others. So I want you to do that. I want you to, number one, commit to being here. Number two, find someone to process it with. And number three, commit to being a part of Love Week. February 13th through the 19th. You know it now. You know the dates. Just plan to be as involved as you possibly can during Love Week. Because I think if we will do these things, that we will begin to get in the habit of letting love become our highest goal in life. So let me close with this. I want to close with a a letter, a letter that a single mom wrote. She's a single mom. She's overwhelmed by her children. She's overwhelmed by her schedule. She's overwhelmed by the busyness of her life. And she writes this in her letter. She writes these words. She says, you know what? All I seem to do is nag and bark at 
and scold my kids incessantly. And as I looked at myself, all I saw was a shrew. In my tears, I cried to God as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In reading that, she said, five words leapt out at me. Without love, I am nothing. She realized that her life was, was a gong show full of sound and fury, but signifying absolutely nothing. And she actually wrote those five words uh, on a card, on a note card. Without love, I am nothing. And she put those note cards everywhere in her house. And she put those note cards in her car. She put the note cards in a cubicle in her office and everywhere that she could think that would remind her that without love, she was nothing but a resounding gong without love. She said this, she said, I realized that the single most important thing I could do was to love my family. So I began to live my life rooted in the love of Jesus. I began to run my home on love power. It was as transforming as when I first accepted Christ into my life. Focusing on love brought the happiness back into my life and into our home. Church, I want you to know that, that this is the deal, that love matters that love really matters. Loving God and loving people matters. And this series could be a game changer for you. It could be a game changer for your relationships. It could be a game changer for your marriage, for your relationship with your parents or relationship with your kids. It could be a game changer in your relationship with your neighbors or your coworkers. It could be a game changer in our community. If we'll just slow down and we'll invest the time to dive deep and to live a life that runs on love. You see, there's a reason why one of our core values here at Warehouse Church is that we love differently. Because we recognize as a church that the world, that what the world needs is not another church filled with judgmental, bitter hypocrites but it needs a church. It's starving for a church that loves like Jesus loved. A church that loves like the Jesus in the Bible. A church that loves like Jesus loved the sinners. Never was he hypocritical. Never was he judgmental. Never was he bitter. But he loved those that were hard to love. He loved you and he loved me. And this world is desperate for a church that loves differently. But check it out. It begins with you right here, right now. It begins with you saying, you know what? My dominant life principle is all out of whack but no longer. We're gonna readjust. Things got sideways, but I'm gonna transform my dominant life principle because love is the most important thing. So buckle up, church, because it's gonna get crazy. It's gonna get hairy. It's gonna get messy. 
because that's what love is. But it's also going to be amazing and and wonderful and awesome and epic because that's what love does. Hold on because love is coming to town. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for loving a wretch like me. God, I thank you for not being judgmental, for not being hypocritical, for not pointing your finger at me. But God, for scooping me up in your arms and telling me that you love me, that I'm yours, and that you're mine. And Father, I know that if we can just grasp this big idea love is the most important thing that it will transform our lives and Lord it will transform the lives of the people around us God I know there's some people in here right now that need some transformation in their lives God there's some marriages that are on the rocks and they need your love to come in and bring healing God there's some relationships here that have been broken Lord, your love is the one thing that can restore it. God, there's some folks here that, that are, they, they can't seem to get away from the addiction. But God, your love is supernatural. And it will come in and it will break the chains of addiction in our lives. God, your love is more powerful than anything we can ever imagine. It'll change our lives. It'll change the lives of people around us. So God, my prayer today is this, that we would be willing to open up our hearts and take an honest look. What is it that's guiding our lives? Is it selfishness? Is it acceptance? Is it success? Is it money? Is it fame? Or is it your love? You see, love not only wants to come to Prestonsburg, but love wants to come to each and every one of our hearts. It wants to change us. So as you're sitting there today, maybe there's some Maybe you need to come up to the front. Maybe you just need to come before God and say, you know what, God? I've been a noisy, obnoxious, annoying gong. But from today on, I don't want to be a gong anymore. I want to be a producer of love. I want to be someone who oozes your love someone that draws people to me, not repels people away from me. So maybe you just come up today and you and God just get there and get right with God and say, God, I just, I haven't been living for you. I've been living for myself. I've got my priorities out of whack, but I want to put them back in order. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. 
Maybe you're like, man, I've never experienced this love that you're talking about, this supernatural love, but I want to. I want to experience that kind of love in my life. I want to know that nothing else matters but love. I want to be a child of the living God. If that's you today, let me just tell you that all you have to do, the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So right where you're sitting, just believe it in your heart that Jesus came and he died on the cross for you. And confess it with your mouth. Say, God, I believe. I believe that you died for me and I wanna live for you. I wanna live for you today. Wherever you are, as we sing our closing song, you come forward, you sit in your chair, and you get right with God. And you say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to ooze that supernatural love that you talk about. Amen. Will you stand and worship with me?